Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, the Utah Jazz fall again, 1-2 and two on this road trip. They are beaten by the New Orleans Pelicans. And yes, that is a major disappointment. I know, you can't win them all, and these things happen. And, you know, this is probably the worst team they've lost to since Minnesota, I guess. Game two, if you look at the other ones, because... The Knicks now have gotten themselves up into the you know, 500 range and kind of battling 4-5 in the East. And uh, Denver's gotten themselves over 500. Yeah, I think it's the Pelicans and the Wolves now. If you're ranking the the worst teams the Jazz have lost to. And it just comes down to the end of the night. And, and you'll hear this come out of the best of the Jazz postgame show. You know, the defense wasn't good enough. They gave up points in transition. They gave up a ton of points in the paint. And, you know, the 33-point second quarter was bad. Um, but the Jazz still led at the half, 64-59. Okay, tighten up in the third quarter. You got a five-point lead. Have a good defensive quarter. You're scoring it. You know, you're, you got 64 points and a half, so you're not having any problems scoring. And, you know, pull away. And instead, they gave up 40 points in the third quarter. And then 30 in the fourth. And that's even though they got a bunch of stops the last you know, four minutes or so of the game, last three minutes really of the game. They got a bunch of stops, and they got a 17-point deficit all the way down to one. But that was as good as it got. They end up losing 129-124, the final score. And now they got to go to Philadelphia and lose that one. You're 1-3 on this road trip. That's just a really bad road trip. And you really go into the all-star break with a sour taste in your mouth. We ought to see something really good from the Jazz. They, they look down. Um, Rudy probably, you can listen to him, Rudy probably less so, Donovan probably the most, Bojan probably in between. Those are the three players we got to see in the post-game Zoom. Quinn Snyder was pretty far down. Just, you know, I asked him about fatigue and, uh, you know, he credited the Pelicans and didn't really want to go there. And Donovan went right to just lack of urgency, you know, that whatever fatigue there is, the urgency overcame the fatigue in the last three minutes of the game. You know, whatever the mix was. But Donovan, oh, you'll have to count it up when you listen to it. Uh, I think he says lack of urgency like four times. I might be off by one. But he said it a lot. I mean, repeatedly. It was clear what he thought the problem was. So that Jazz go down to defeat. They're off tonight. They'll play Philly tomorrow. And then everybody scatters for the All-Star break. So we'll see how they do as they get to game 36 here right at the end of the break and uh, see how they handle Philadelphia. All right, we're going to take a break here. Uh, the DJ and PK, when we come back, David Aldrich, uh, he writes for The Athletic, editor-in-chief of The Athletic in D.C., and he's been at TNT, ESPN. You've read his stuff on national websites, seen him on TV for a long time. He just wrote a really interesting story about race in Salt Lake City and the Utah Jazz and a perception of players of Salt Lake and, in his mind, how it's changed over 20 years. Now, got the negative again with Elijah Millsap's accusation, and that raises a lot of old storylines, and he addressed them in his story. But he talked to Mike Conley about why Conley's taken to Salt Lake and why he's interested in signing with the Jazz again. He talked with... uh, Derek Favors, who obviously, you know, left, uh, was traded away, and then, you know, as a free agent, decided to come back. So, interesting stuff there. Uh, and, he, and he talks a little bit about Dennis Lindsay as well, and people he's talked to around the league who used to work in Utah and don't anymore. So, we'll get to all of that with David Aldridge. Coming up next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, we are joined now by David Aldridge. He is the editor-in-chief of The Athletic DC. You've seen him on TV. You've read him for decades. He's been covering the NBA for a long time. David, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. We both read your uh, your story. I think one thing we can all agree about in the digital age, whatever its downside, you got more room to write. You wrote. And you wrote, and there was no one to cut it for space. Sorry, it's great, David. We just don't have space. You don't have to hear that. No, that's always a good thing yeah. uh, in the writing in the writing space. Um, we don't try to abuse it, but when you need to take two thousand words to discuss something fairly complicated, um, the good news about being at the athletic is that I have the opportunity to do that. So we really enjoyed both of us, uh, well, we enjoyed your coverage over the years, but enjoyed this particular piece. Both of us, DJ and myself, PK, we are California transplants. We moved here in the early 90s, but we've been here now coming up on close to 30 years, and uh, we've seen this community, and we know a little bit about it. And so it seems like any time something like this happens, the issue of minorities, and then obviously with the NBA, it's African Americans, how comfortable they can be in Salt Lake City. And you talked to Mike Conley and Derek Favors. You probably could have talked to as many guys as you possibly wanted in your three decades of covering the league. My thought for you is how much of it is it still a concern, the perception out there? meaning the states and the rest of the world, the rest of the country, as far as this being a welcoming place for African-Americans? Well, I I think it, you know, if you only go by what, you know, Mike and Derek and some of the other players on the team now have said that they are, you know, things seem to be a lot better. And I think that kind of jibes with what, the anecdotal evidence and the physical evidence in terms of demographics will tell you that, um, as you guys know much better than I do, I think Salt Lake City is a much, much more increasingly diverse city than it was maybe 20 years ago. Um, and so I think diversity always um, helps minority groups feel a little more comfortable, a little better. Um, and, you know, I just think it's they, they the point of the story was that you know, there was this, and it's, and I, and I said in the story that it, it doesn't mean that it's still there, but it was there at one point. I'm sure as you guys, yeah, know, that there was right. a perception among many black players that it just was not a good place to go. People did not want to play there. Um, I still think it's very difficult for them to get free agents to come there. So to me, the the thing that's interesting is that they have convinced all of their black players of, of significance on the roster to not just stay, but to stay for a long time, to sign, you know, long-term contracts to remain there. I mean, Jordan Clarkson last year would have had a lot of suitors, I think, or he could have signed a one-year deal with them and been a free agent this year. There's a lot of teams that have money. Um, they're going to have money and would have an opportunity to give it to him. Uh, he knew that. His agent knew that, I'm sure. 
Um, and they opted to stay long term. You know, you could say Rudy Gobert can't turn down $200 million, and there's, there's some truth to that. Um, it's hard. It would have been hard for him to turn it down in Miami or New York if, where, if he was there. Um, you know, but Donovan Mitchell certainly took the money. Um, Derek Favors came back, which I think is significant, um, and signed a three year deal. Um, I think that's very significant. Um, so those players over the last three to five years have really embraced not just the notion of playing on a good team because the Jazz have been a good team under Quinn Snyder the last several years, but to make a long-term commitment to the franchise and to the city. And I think that's significant. So there's a, uh, there's a lot of nuance to the discussion, and you address a lot of it. And my guess is being around the league as long as you have and, and seeing you, you know, seeing what you've written and what you talked about when I've seen you on TV, you know, you probably could have gone 20,000 or 200,000 words if you'd chosen because <laughs> there's, there's so much nuance to this. But I think one of the points that has to be addressed, and, and you're better at addressing this than PK and I think, but it seems like on one hand there's the topic, well, if I go there, there's going to be a lot of negative behavior towards me. How are people going to talk mm-hmm. to me? How are they going to treat me? All of that. But then there's also, is there a community for me to fit into? Mm-hmm. Is there, um, you know, you, you had a really interesting quote, I think it was from Favors, where he was talking about, hey, some stuff he just can't buy locally, he's got to order on Amazon. So it seems right. like there's a lot of tears to this discussion when you talk about how comfortable and I am I going to be in place X, in this case, Salt Lake City. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I think that's part of the, you know, part of the, the, the the difficulty in talking about race is that you're also talking about class at the same time in, in a lot of cases, right? So, you know, someone like Derek Favors, who's making a lot of money, he can go on Amazon and get whatever he needs that's not available. And so it's okay. Like, you can live in Salt Lake City if you can have whatever you need shipped in. But for, you know, a lot of people of color in Salt Lake City who aren't making that kind of money, they may not have that luxury. You know what I mean? So that's why it's a it's a it's a new it has to be a nuanced discussion because it's not one size fits all. Um, I can only talk about black basketball players because that's what I cover. And, you know, I I don't I don't cover uh, working class America. Um, and so I cover people who are pretty rich for the most part. Um, and so they are able to kind of do things that other people aren't. And so you have to have that. You have to understand that when you're writing about these things. And so, but I tried to limit it to black basketball players in Salt Lake City, because even, you know, 20, like I said, 20, 25 years ago, even the fact that guys were making money did not make it worth their while to go to Salt Lake City in in large case, in many cases. So that has changed. And I think that there is a positive to be um, gleaned from that, that guys do feel more comfortable. But to your larger point of, is there a community there? I think it's hit and miss. I think it's hit and miss. I mean, I still think guys are going, you know, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, there is a black community in Salt Lake City. Don't get me wrong. I know there's churches there and there's, there's certainly um, communities there, but it's not as diverse and as large, I think, as as people would feel especially comfortable being in. You have to kind of make the co- the conscious decision that you're going to live in a community where you don't see a lot of people that look like you every day. Yeah, I don't think anybody could argue that. It's still a 
relatively minuscule, if you want to say that. That Derek, or I was going to say Derek Favors, but Derek Harper quote of years ago, and both DJ and I were living in the community at the time, that stung when you, know, yeah. you go live in Utah, and it's, it's still out there. I'm wondering, it, it seems like from the, the glory years of the two Hall of Fame guys up until – through uh, Carlos Boozer and Favor, uh, Darren Williams, and now these guys. It yeah. seems like all the guys who've been here, the minority guys, which in large part obviously are black, that they like it. There, there was a quote, we played a quote, a uh, radio bite. Uh, Favor, uh, Boozer was down in Miami, and the radio mm-hmm. guys bought into the typical stereotype and said, ah, you know, you had to play for the jazz and blah, blah, blah. Gosh, basically, how did you, how much did you hate it? And he said, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not really that bad. So the point being, when guys get here, they end up liking it. And we know, and you've already said it, it's hard to get free agents. How much do you think that the fact that the guys who've been here, African-American dudes who've been here for an extended period, they can sell it and say they like it, can help the Jazz going forward the next five, ten years? Well, I'll say this. I don't think it hurts, certainly, right? I mean, it doesn't hurt the, the, the guys in the main um, who, who play different roles on this team. Um, have all kind of said the same thing about how they like playing for Quinn Snyder. They, they obviously like the style. Uh, the, the team's the best team in the league right now. So what's not to like, right? I mean, you're, you're, you would have an opportunity to play for a very stable organization. They pay. Um, they're not cheap. Uh, they do. They pay their players a market rate to stay. Um, so certainly, I think there may be opportunities down the road um, for the Jazz to not – you know, again, realistically, do I think the young, you know, great young players in this league, when, whenever they become free agents, is, is Utah going to be on the top of their list? I mean, I, I don't think it will be. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be at the top of Luka Doncic's list. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it will be, but that doesn't – that's okay. It doesn't matter. If you're drafting guys or you're bringing in guys and they like it and they want to stay – what you can do, which is what a lot of championship-level teams do, is that you get those veterans. And you guys got Joe Johnson a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? That's, that's big to me. When you get a guy at the end of his career or who's nearing the end of his career that still can play a little bit and help you win, those are the types of guys that help you win playoff series. You know, a Joe Johnson and people like that that, that that are veterans. And so if you every couple of years are adding – you know, a seasoned veteran who's taken less money to come play for a winning organization that has a chance at a ring, that's a big deal because you've got the core group in place already. But those vets are the guys that can help you, you know, in, in, a, in, a, play, in a game on the road, you know, down 3-2 or down 3-1 and make you believe you can still win and make plays. Those guys help you. And so if the Jazz can, can continue to bring guys like that in, that's a big deal. We're joined right now by David Aldridge, longtime NBA reporter. He is now the editor-in-chief of The Athletic DC. He's got a long story. Uh, the headline is high, Flying High This Season, Utah Jazz, again grounded by questions of race. And this conversation just keeps reverberating. So you write what you wrote. you got a ton of quotes in it. 
but everybody knows everybody. And you've been a reporter for a long time, and players know who you are. They probably watched you when they were in high school or college. So I'm curious what kind of feedback you get, either texting. You don't really go around the league, and you're not popping in locker rooms these days because of the pandemic. But I'm sure you still get some kind of feedback because the conversation is ongoing. What have you heard since you've written it from around the league? I think, you know, look, nobody wants to – rain on Utah's parade. They're having a, a magical season. They have a great chance to win the championship this year. Um, so you want, you know, there, it, it, you'd have to really be looking to write something negative about them, right? I mean, so you're, you know, the the point of the story was going to be a fairly positive piece. Um, and then, of course, the, the Elijah Millsap stuff happened, and you just go, wow, okay, we're right back to it again with Utah and race. And so, what I have heard from people, look, look, I know Dennis a little bit. I don't know him as well as other people do. Um, I, I, I've never gotten that vibe from Dennis Lindsay ever. Um, so I, I don't, I would never say I know someone well enough to say they couldn't, there's absolutely no way they could have ever said or done something bad. That would be ridiculous. We've all done bad things and said bad things in our lives. Um, but I certainly, from talking to people around the league, have asked, you know, whether it's black reporters, it's black agents, black players, and all of them. I haven't heard anybody who has had a bad thing to say about Dennis Lindsay. I'll just put it that way. (laughs) You know, um, I think he seems, by all accounts, to be above board, completely professional, wants to do the right thing. Um, Again, the proof's in the pudding. If, If people had a problem with this organization, I don't think those guys would be staying. I think they'd be leaving. So, to me, that does not mean that that couldn't have happened. I'm not saying it couldn't have happened. Um, but it would be completely counter to what that what he has done in terms of building that organization, what, what Quinn Snyder has done. And, and, and as I wrote in the piece, you know, I had Andre Patterson reached out to me. I mean, I didn't seek him out at all. He texted me and said, hey, look, I want, to, I want people to know this is my relationship with Dennis Lindsay over the years. Um, and I've known Andre a long time. And, you know, Andre's a pretty solid guy, you know. So for him to kind of say, to make the reach out to me, um, said a lot to me. For people who don't know, Andre Patterson worked in Utah uh, 2015 to 17, and he's now in the Cleveland organization. So a little backstory there. Go ahead, PK. So, David, this is an entirely unfair and probably inappropriate question, but it's what my what I do in my role in the radio. Uh, if if these claims are true, and I don't know if they are, or they aren't, but if they are, just on the assumption that they are, is this a fireable offense in your mind? You know, I that that would obviously be up to ownership. Um, it would be a very, very, very bad statement and I think it would be very difficult to come back from something like that if it were proven to be true, especially since Dennis had pretty categorically denied that he said it. Um, if it's if it is proven somehow that he did indeed say it, you're not only dealing with what he said, you're dealing with, with that he lied about what he said, which would which would be to me a fireable offense. Yeah. But good point. Thank you. You know what I mean? So I mean if you cop to it and say, Yeah, I said it in the heat of the moment, it was a terrible thing to say and I you know then you know you can make a you can make a judgment on whether it's fireable or not. Some would say yes, some would say no. Um, 
but to me, the fact that he has very strongly said that that did not happen, that he did not say it, I think kind of there's no middle ground here. Either it's going to be proven that he said it or it's going to be proven that he didn't say it. Um, so I don't know how you could – it would be hard for me to keep him if, if it's proven that he did. But I will find out. I am not in any way saying that I believe he said it because I wasn't there and I don't know. <laughs> Um, right, so right. I, well, the investigation will determine that, and we'll bear that out. Yeah, good point on the on the on the lying, and 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 Dennis has been very strong about it. So that uh, be interesting to see what this league investigation finds. It's just an interesting thing all along, I guess. So I'm curious to the bigger point when you talk about, um, you know, getting players to Salt Lake. And certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, the question of race has come up in the past. It will come up again in the future. Uh, But there are probably people listening to this saying, well, Durant went to New York, well, Brooklyn, uh, Mm -hmm. and LeBron went to first Miami. He did go home to Cleveland, but then he went to L.A. So regardless of how these issues play out in the future in Utah, Portland, Utah, Denver, Indiana, I don't know, go on down the list, whatever other market you want. If you're not a top 10 market, and if you're not in a warm weather spot, uh, you're not getting big time free agents anyway. And the way the super teams are going, you got to thread a pretty fine needle to get among the league's elite. Is there anything or what, if anything, is going to reverse that trend? No, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, that is very true. Um, throw Milwaukee in there also. Yeah. Um, you know, your mid to smaller markets are going to have a very difficult time getting free agents. Very difficult. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. It's the nature of where guys want to live. You know, guys want to live in the warm weather cities and, you know, in L.A. and Miami and places like that. Um, even New York has not been able to get a whole lot of, you know, they haven't gotten the top guys for a while now. Now, they've gotten a few free. They've gotten free agents here and there because they had money, but they have not. They've struck out on everybody of significance, you know, including Durant. And everybody thought he was. They were the leaders, you know, going into 2018-2019. Everybody had the Knicks kind of at the top of the list, um, and they haven't gotten it done. So it's it's there aren't a lot of targets. I mean, Chicago's never tried really in the free agent piece. I think Chicago could get free agents. They've never even really tried. Other than Dwayne Wade, they haven't really gone all out on anybody. And that's just kind of a philosophical, organizational kind of thing that they do up there. Because um, I think they could get people to come to Chicago. But um, but you're right. There's no question that, that the mid-markets are, are always going to have difficulty bringing in marquee free agents. That's why um, I have no problem. In fact, I think Utah is a model to me of how to do it. Which is, you know, you have to you have to hit home runs in the draft, and Gobert and Mitchell are home runs, home runs, you know, no doubt about it, four hundred fifty foot home runs, um, and that's what you have to do when you're when you're in a mid market. Um, you have to really hit the draft well because having the ability to kind of control a player's salary for the you know first four or five years of their careers is just massive. And then, again, you get to a point with, with a Mitchell or with a Gobert when they get to their second or third contracts, if you can, you know, if you're willing to pay that kind of money. And we saw Sacramento didn't want to pay DeMarcus Cousins, 
and and wound up trading him. And, and so uh, Gobert, they they paid, and this year he's more than lived up to it. So um, that's always going to be a, a, a challenge for mid markets. But the ones that do it well, like Milwaukee, I think, or, or and like Utah, I think you you can win big. And you can have a chance, and that's all you can ask for. If you're any NBA team, to have a chance. And I think those two teams have legitimate chances of being finals teams this year. I want to run a theory by you, and maybe it's a bias, and maybe it's a hope. I spent 23 years working for newspapers, and now that I've been in radio, my, my mindset has changed. You know, in newspapers, you don't root, but in radio, if you have your teams win, it's good for business. I want to see them win for selfish reasons, so maybe it's my bias that I'm bringing to the table. But in my mind, today's players are so sophisticated in that they can overlook some perceived negatives and will look toward, obviously, the money, will look toward the winning culture, will look towards the stability and management, which includes owner, GM, and coach. And they have that sophistication to know a good situation, even if it's out in the middle of nowhere in the Rocky Mountains, that that can attract them because of their sophistication today and the world being so much smaller with all the technology. So that, along with drafting well, maybe they don't get the premier free agents, but they can get guys that can help their ball club, as you say, at the end of their careers or towards the end of their careers, like a Joe Johnson. So the point being, the sophistication of today's players can help the Jazz not only survive, but thrive. Do you buy that? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Yes. I mean, I certainly don't think... I don't think markets matter as much as they used to, because you're right. I mean, you know, Oklahoma City had two league MVPs, right? I mean, they because they it doesn't matter where you play now. Everybody sees every game, right? So there's no... Um, bias in that regard. There's, no, there's much less bias, I'll put it that way, than there maybe was 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, there's no question that you can play, you can get commercials and endorsements. doesn't matter where you are. If your team's good and you're an exciting player, I mean, I think you have to be an exciting player. I don't, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell has a much better chance of getting national TV contracts than Rudy Gobert does or Royce O'Neal. You know, no disrespect to them. But what Donovan does is exciting, especially to young people, and that's what advertisers, that's who advertisers cater to. So, yeah, there's some truth to that. Um, it's all, but it's still a challenge now. I mean, I don't want to, I think, you, I don't want to sugarcoat the challenge. It's significant. You have to be as good as Utah has been in getting players for it to work, because if you don't, you really struggle. I mean, it's really hard um, to continue to put a competitive, winning basketball team out there. Um, you know, Milwaukee got Giannis. They drafted Giannis, and that changed everything for that franchise. And the chances of that happening again are probably one in a million. You know, just that you at, – at 13 in the draft, you pick a guy who's, who becomes that good. I mean, it just does not happen very often that you do that. Um, so – there's some luck involved, but but they were smart enough to see the potential there, and um, but you have to be that good when you're in a mid market and you're in a middle you know a, a middle type of market in the NBA. You you really do have to be great at drafting. 
David, last thing before we let you go, if you're handicapping the rest of the NBA season, if the Lakers are healthy, are they the favorite? I think so, just because I, I, I just think Anthony Davis makes them so difficult. You know, LeBron is LeBron. He's still great. Um, Anthony Davis just makes it really hard to defend them. And it make, and he makes it really hard to score on them. I mean, he's a better defensive player, I think, than he gets credit for. Um, so the combination is just very difficult to overcome. LeBron, we know LeBron can take four other guys of any type to the finals. He's done it before, right? Um, when you add a, another top five player to it, it just makes it really, really hard. And they're, you know, their role players play off of that. Those guys, I think, are, are big-time players. You know, KCP and people like that, and Mark, Mark Morris and, or Markeith Morris and guys like that. I think that if they don't have too much pressure on them, they, they can make shots, and that's all they need to do in the playoffs is make open threes. Um, and we saw defensively how good they could be last year. Now, the, there is a fair question, and they were good last year, but they also had Dwight Howard, who played very well for them in the bubble. We'll see if Gasol plays well in the bubble. And, you know, I, I'm not – he's a good player, but I don't think he brings the physicality that Dwight brought that I thought really impacted Jokic in that series. You know what I mean? Like, he really went after Jokic physically. Um, that's not Mark's thing. Mark is, a, you know, Mark is a very cerebral defensive player and smart in that regard. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I think there is a vulnerability there, but I do think it, all things equal with everybody healthy. I would certainly put the Lakers at the top of the list. But I, you know, I think Utah. I think the Clippers. I think they're they're all their Denver. Certainly, if they get it together and they're showing signs here and there. Um, you know, I think the margin is small, but I would say the Lakers are the favorite. Well, David, we enjoyed the story you wrote for The Athletic, and thanks for coming on the air here with us for a few minutes. We appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. There's David Aldridge from The Athletic, editor-in-chief of The Athletic in D.C., the D.C. Bureau. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show as they lose to the Pelicans. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So the Utah Jazz get beat by New Orleans. If you want to beat the Jazz, outscore them. Get over 120 points. Your odds of winning go way up, especially if you get to 125. Then you're really good. <laughs> this is like the third highest total, one of the three highest totals of the year, and the Jazz didn't win any of those games. Um, you know, they, they just have to play better defense. They gave up 40 points in the third quarter, and that was sandwiched by 33 in the second and 30 in the fourth. That's just not good enough. The 26 points in the first quarter, I mean, they trailed, but it was 26-23, and you can live with that. They can outscore a team that averages 26 points a quarter, but from 26 to 33 to 40 to 30, yeah, that's, that's not nearly good enough. What went wrong? Fatigue, lack of urgency, second chance points, some transition points. There's a whole list, and they'll address them in the best of the postgame show. 
Here's Jake. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tough loss last night for the Utah Jazz. They followed to the Pelicans 129-124. to uh, Jazz uh, get 31 from Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, 22 from Rudy to go along with nine boards and five blocks, 21 from Donovan Mitchell, 20 from Jordan Clarkson coming in off the bench. But it was not enough. The Pelicans got into the paint all night long. Zion Williamson had 26 on 10 of 17 shooting. All 17 of his shots were from the restricted area. Brandon uh, Brandon Ingram had uh, 26 points on 11 of 20 shooting. The Jazz gave up 74 points in the paint, which is the most uh, given up in a non-overtime game in franchise history. The Pelicans just got to the rim and kept getting to the rim over and over and over again. Let's uh, now get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Okay, we're going to start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Coach, looking at your defense tonight, you guys struggled to get stops. I mean, you're facing a heck of a player in Zion, but you did show a lot of grit in the final four minutes. What do you take away from this one? Well, we just have to be, you know, we have to be better defensively. It was transition, um, you know, on the ball. We were getting blown by the glass. You know, there wasn't a lot that we did well throughout the course of the game on the defensive end. So it's we just have to be better. There's like I said, there's there's a lot of things we need to do better, and I, th- I think there are things we know we just didn't execute. We have to execute. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. When you guys are usually the ones coming out in the third quarter, making the big adjustments and, and going on a run as a result, this time the Pelicans start really kind of forcing the ball to Zion and, and letting him go to work very early on. What was kind of the, the difference early in the third tonight? Well, we didn't protect the paint. That, that was the biggest thing. Uh, you know, if they're able to get in the paint as easy as they did, you know, that no amount of kind of resolve um, once the ball gets there is, is going to be enough. So, um, as I said, there's a lot of things that we didn't do defensively. I, and I think, you know, that's what we've – that's what we've done coming out of the halftime. We've raised our level on the defensive end and been able to get out and transition and, you know, and make people pay for, um, for those situations. But if we're not getting stops, um, you know, it's harder for us to play offense. And more than anything, you know, we gave up a 40-point quarter. David James, KUTV. Quinn, how much do you think fatigue was an issue in this and how much was it something else defensively? Well, there, you know, give New Orleans credit. Obviously, you know, both Brandon Ingram and um, and Zion, you know, they're terrific, terrific offensive players, and they're hard to guard. But um, we 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 let them get what they wanted. Um, as I said, and you know, I thought Lonzo Ball did a really good job. They had a lot of guys that were making plays. Um, as far as fatigue goes, you know, the, the, every team in the league is going to be fatigued right now. And, um, you know, that's something we just have to play through. We can still communicate. Um, you know, we had breakdowns and you know, pick and roll where we didn't switch. Just a lot of different things. And, um, you know, if you have to think harder and be more urgent, those are things that you can control. Last question, Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Quinn, it seems like the team's getting off to some slower starts tonight was certainly an issue. Uh, are, are you noticing that? And if so, what what do you think the issue is? Yeah, it's – I don't know, Ben. I I feel like it's hard to generalize on that. Um, I thought the slowest start was in the third quarter. 
Um, but certainly we want to start the game well. We talked about, you know, the last time we played them at home, they really got out in transition. And I think that's one of the biggest things. You have to be ready to really have urgency in transition and, and not give up, you know, easy shots. And same thing with, the, um, you know, with the, their, their, our defensive glass. You know, if you give them additional possessions, um, you know, and we, we had some stretches like that where we gave – gave up offensive rebounds. And then on our offensive end, we had a stretch where we turned the ball over and, you know, they, they're so quick and long and athletic in transition. They make you pay for that. There's uh, jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, not real happy with his team's defensive urgency in their loss to the Pelicans, 129 to 124. Let's hear from some players. Uh, let's start off with Donovan Mitchell. We'll get started with Tony Jones, the athletic. Donovan, have you uh, noticed, um, a change kind of going from, you know, the hunter as a team to kind of the hunter, so to speak, you know, now that you guys have gotten off to such a great start to the season. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think um, that's to be expected when we, we're doing what we're doing, you know, playing over playing, we play free, we play with joy and, and, you know, teams, you know, teams want to, you know, kill that joy, you know, and rightfully so. Uh, we just got to be ready for it. You know, we came in at home and, you know, beat them twice, you know, doing what we do. And, you know, we knew they're going to come out like that. But, you know, I think we just got to do a better job as a whole. Um, and it really wasn't even the offense, I can't even say. It's just the defense. You know, three different guys had 20 points, um, rebounds. Like, we, we, we knew exactly what we had to do, and we just didn't execute. And that's on us. Um, and whether we're hunted or the hunter or the hunted, like, we still got to be that aggressive team, you know, and we just weren't it tonight. You know, we weren't the same team we were in Orlando. Um as a whole, you know, at the end of the game, we competed and, and, you know, we were doing what we're doing, but, you know, we kind of let up a little bit and we'll fix it. But, you know, this is a uh, tough one. You know, I think it's a tough one to, to to accept because it was stuff that we can control and we knew this is how they're going to come out and uh, we didn't execute. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, two questions for you. One, uh, defensively, I mean, they got into the paint so frequently. What was it tonight that kind of allowed uh, Zion special, but it wasn't just him that got down low. What what was it defensively? Um, I don't want to say lack of focus. I think it's just lack of urgency. Um, I think is, you know, what I would say was we, we, we went over it twice. You know, I think when we played them twice, we knew what they, you know what they do. You know, they, the number one in the getting in the paint, we had all the stats lined up of what they did and we knew it. I think we just didn't execute it the right way. And, and, you know, we relate to certain things. We're standing there watching, you know, straight line drives. Um, I think that's, that's what really hurt us. You know, like you said, Zion and, and Brandon are, are special. Um, you know, I think Alonzo had a really good game as well, but, you know, I think for us, we got to own the paint and, you know, we didn't, we didn't do that in any way, shape or form tonight. Um, and that's on us, you know, it's a lack of urgency. You know, I think the, that's, that's where we got to, you know, be the team we want to be. We got to have that at all times. You know, this is, like I said, it's a tough loss and, you know, I think we're all pretty upset about it just because it's stuff that we know. And it wasn't like we were tired. It wasn't like there was anything. We just didn't have the urgency. And that can't happen when we want it to be the team we want to be. And then my second question, just a smaller issue, but the, the dunks this year for you, you're actually only shooting 8 of 15 on dunks this year. Um, yeah. What's going on? Um, on that last one, I messed my finger up a little bit. Um, the others, I don't know. Maybe just trying to dunk it too hard. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know, to be honest with you. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Don, normally you guys are the ones making the big halftime adjustments and coming out and kind of rolling in the third quarter, either turning a deficit into a lead or if you have a lead, expanding it. Tonight, they're the ones who kind of did that, you know, just rolling with, with Zion early. Kind of what were they doing early on in the third that, that worked so well and turned the game around? Um, I think they honestly did the same thing, to be honest with you, Eric. I think it was really just our lack of urgency, like attention to detail, focusing on the little things. Like, you know, they gave the ball to Zion. They ran the small, small pick and roll, and he got downhill. And if he missed, there was a rebound. Or if he, he dropped off, or we, we fouled J.J. Redick tw- three times in, in one night. Like, we, we got to be better than that as a whole, you know, um, Turnovers on the offensive end, jumping out of bounds, throwing it, knowing they're not leaving shooters. You know, it's not the game to do that. You know, I think that's there's all different things that we can do um, better. You know, I think they came out, you know, just aggressive and like Tony said, you know, they were they were hunting tonight and we weren't ready for it. Last question, Chris and Kenny, Joss TV. You're going to be facing a team you already saw before that. You beat at home, top team in the East and the, the Sixers now going to their house. Can you just talk about, you know, being the hunted, but now you're going into their house. What do you expect from their matchup, Joel? I'm sure we'll be back on the floor. The same thing. You know, I think, you know, just because they're number one in the East, we, you know, they're, they're coming at us too. We just got to be ready, you know, at the end of the day, keep the, keep the energy we had, you know, against our, even though we lost Miami, but Miami and Orlando were games where we came out, you know, and, and did what we were supposed to do. Um, uh, mainly Orlando, but, you know, with them, they, like you said, they lost at our place, you know, and they're looking to, you know, come to do the same thing to us when we get there. Um, and we got to be ready for it on all fronts. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is just matching, one matching the effort, attention to detail and, you know, not losing two in a row. There's Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Donovan uh, talking about how wasn't worried about the offense. Said the offense played well. It was all about the defense. Donovan did not shoot the ball well. Uh, one of eight from three. Uh, 21 points on seven of 21 shooting. Let's now hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. All right. We'll get started here. First question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Boyan. I was wondering if you could kind of just uh, speak to how difficult it is to guard Zion Williamson just with his combination of kind of speed and, and, and power. He really kind of took it to you guys a little bit at the beginning of that third quarter. I mean, it's tough. He's so athletic, strong, and then he got a, he's great finishing around the rim. And then even if, if, if he don't score the first one, he's, he's one of the best in the league for grabbing his own, his own misses and, and, and trying to, to dunk it or let it, it in. So it's, it's pretty tough, even if if you give him the the space, he's attacking straight straight on you. So it was it's tough to guard him actually, strong and 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 pretty pretty athletic. Kristen Kenny, Just TV. Bogey, you guys struggled to get the stops and gave up too many points in the paint until the final four minutes of that fourth quarter. But is this a bit of a motivator for you all as you look ahead and head to Philly? It's got to be. It's got to be. We cannot, we cannot get any, any, any easy buckets. Our defense being solid all, all year. So no matter how we play offensively, we got we to gotta get a stops and then give us the chance to to win the game, they had a 40 points or, or, or something like that in the third quarter. So that, that cannot happen. So we got to 
we got to bounce back and 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 then play play great defense against Philly and try to get a win before the before the break. David James, KUTV. Well, what do you think the uh, the issue was that forty point quarter and the seventy point half? A lack of urgency, fatigue, some combination, something else. What what was the issue? I mean, even when they when they missed a couple couple of shots, they were they were grabbing the rebound. They dominate us on a on the glass. So we gotta we gotta be focused. We show in the first half that we can that we can guard. We were we were taking some 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 bad shots and then they were running on a, on our backs we didn't use our our fouls on a, on the right way to stop their their fast break so so we got to be we got to be more concentrated and more physical defensively there's Boyan Bogdanovich. He had a nice night shooting the basketball, 31 points, 11 of 21, shooting 7 of 11 from 3 at 7 boards, but uh, not enough as Jazz fall to the Pelicans. Let's wrap up the player sound by hearing from Rudy Gobert. Hey, Rudy, we'll get started with Tony Jones, the athletic. Uh, Rudy, when, when teams are playing, you know, the last three or four teams that you guys have seen play really well against you guys, um, is this a, just a matter of raising your level or is it this just a matter of just trying to put together 48 really good minutes? I mean, at the end of the day, I think we we compete with ourselves and we know that, you know, now we're in a position when, you know, teams are, you know, when the players, they see it as a challenge, you know, and they, it, it brings out the best out of them every single night, you know, kind of like, I mean, every team that's that's playing well, you know, when when you play those kind of team, you wanna you you, you know that you have to be ready, or else we're we'll gonna beat them by thirty. So they they come out and they they play great, and they play hard, you know, and uh, it's like a, it's almost like a playoff game every night. So you know, we it's on us to uh, be better, be better defensively, and I think when we're better defensively, uh, the offense you know takes care of itself, and we we've seen that many times in the. You know, earlier in the season, when you know when we when our mind is not in the right place, uh, you know when we we don't play the, the kind of defense that we can play, uh, it usually affects our offense too. And you know, and those nights are usually not our best nights. Chris and Kenny, Just TV. Rudy, do you use this one as a little bit of a motivator as you guys look ahead to Philly, considering they're another dominant team in the paint? I mean, every every night is, a, is an opportunity for us to get better. And you know, tonight, whether we win, whether we lose, you know, obviously we want to win every game. But uh, you know, uh, sometimes when you lose, uh, it opens your eyes a little more on uh, where you you know you can improve. And you know, obviously tonight is defense. You know, I think we I think we had a chance to win this game anyway. Uh, you know, we one one terrible call away from. You know, being a one-point game and maybe getting a chance to win, uh, we fought hard to you know come back in the game. Uh, you know, but uh, we learn from it. You know, we know that there's a lot of things that we should have done earlier to not even be in this position. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Rudy, so you guys had done a pretty good job of containing Zion early, uh, just nine points at halftime, and then he comes out and. 
he alone gets 15 in the third. They get 24 points in the paint in the third. They score 40 in the third. What kind of changed uh, in that third quarter? I mean, they were Zion. Is, you know, he's a, he's a very good at what he does, which is attacking the rim and putting a lot of pressure on the rim. And uh, he did a great job, you know, getting those finishes in in the third. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I think it's our defense. I think we, we and I especially could have done a much better job in that third quarter. Um, you know, but it's once again, you know, it's about us getting better and. Uh, I mean, I, I watch the film and see, you know, all the things that I could have done better. But I definitely, you know, uh, there's a few layups that he had that I could have impacted more. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the ones that when I go straight up and I get elbowed in the chest, uh, there's not much I can do about that. You know, uh, they talk to us about all these rules and being very cold and, and it's great. You know, uh, you know, I've. I've been trying to do it over the years, but when someone jumps elbow first, you know, there's not much you can do. I mean, it's, it looks good on the highlights, but it's still an offensive foul. So it's, you know, that's not what we lost, you know, once again, but uh, I think we should have done a better job defensively. That was Rudy Gobert, 22 points, nine boards. He had five block shots, but not happy uh, with the refereeing. Said uh, they were one bad call uh, away from a one-point game and possibly getting a W. Also talking about Zion Williamson leading with the elbow. You know, may uh, he had the line there may show up on the highlight reel, but it's still an offensive foul. And the Jazz still dropped one in New Orleans, one twenty-nine to one twenty-four. They fall to twenty-seven and eight on the season. Their next game will be their final game before the All-Star break. Coming your way tomorrow night, taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. That game will tip off at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 4. There is the best of the post-game show as the Jazz fall to the Pelicans. Sixers tomorrow night. What is trending? All the headlines on the way. Stay with us.